0: Well, I want to talk a little bit about um, the last couple of weeks because we've been talking about wounds, and it's kind of depressing. So, don't you agree? <laughs> so why are we doing this? Well, one of the things is, is that we cannot move forward in life, and there's a lot of young people in here which I'm so excited about because this is actually awesome. I wish I knew half this stuff when I was like 18 to 25 than a lot of the things that I'm learning now, because it would have made my life a lot easier if I could have gotten rid of all this baggage a lot earlier on. So, uh, for those of you that are on the younger side of things, yippee ding dong! Because you are going to be way ahead, <laughs> way 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 ahead of some of the rest of us. Now, some of the rest of us, it's interesting because we will discover that we're still carrying a lot of this stuff around even at different stages of our life. And so, this is an opportunity for us to look at these things and. I um, went on a trip, I got to meet my daughter, she went on a music tour uh, several years back through Europe, and I was going to meet her in London, and I had never been to Europe, and I was so excited. It was the longest trip I'd ever taken, so it was for a couple of weeks. And um, I'm not tiny, so my clothes are a little bigger than my daughter's clothes, and so when I go to pack, I need a bigger suitcase. And I didn't know what to expect over in London, in Europe, things, so I wanted to make sure I had everything with me. And I was going to bring my suitcase, but I was trying not to throw up, so I forgot to, to bring it tonight, but it's literally about this big, and it's about that wide. It's one of those ones when you put the little one into the medium one and the medium one into the big one, and then... That it's the biggest one. So that's the suitcase that I took with me. And I was so excited because I got everything in one suitcase. Now, that was before they started trimming down the sizes that you can bring. And um, I get over there, and I find the train on my own by myself, which was a big you know, thing to start with. But I get to the train, and I have to. It's hysterical over there because on the trains, it says, mind the gap every time the door opens. Oh, you guys are going to have to help me out tonight. <laughs> Oh man, I'm gonna die up here. (laughs) Mind the gap. And then and then the doors open and then you have to watch this little gap and then you climb over it. And then every time you go to get out of it, it says it again, mind the gap. And so by the time we were done there, we had all this fun. They even have t-shirts that say mind the gap. So well when you have like a suitcase that weighed, I don't even know how much it weighed. And you had to mine the gap. It was a little difficult. And so here I am trying to get this over first time on one of those bullet trains. And I'm trying to get this huge suitcase over the gap into the train before the train doors close. And people are all just standing there. (laughs) But they're not looking at me. They're looking at the suitcase. And this began this whole journey of everybody not looking at me, but looking at my suitcase everywhere I went. Because over there, they were like, what is this crazy? This is the biggest suitcase I'd ever seen in their lives. (laughs) And so I get... On the train, and then there's no place to even slide this thing. So I'm like standing up on the bullet train, leaning, you know, onto this big giant suitcase, (laughs) pretending like everything is totally cool. It's all good, and I don't look at all like an American. And so, you know, we're driving. You know, the train goes. I get off, and then I go to go to my. I get to go to my hotel, and I start going around. Well, there's two hotels the same name, two Holiday Inns in the same area. Guess what? I went to the wrong one first. And then I had to walk. They were having a heat wave in London at the time, and I had to keep going with this big, giant suitcase and my carry-on and my purse, and I was hot, and I was lost. So I'm going around the block. Long story short, I get to... Well, no, it's going to be a long story. I get to... (laughs) This might be the only thing I tell you tonight. I get to the elevator, and then I'm like, oh, this is hysterical. Their elevators are like the size of a box, And I'm in the elevator with my suitcase, and that's about all that fits in the elevator, is me and the suitcase. And so then the doors open, and people (laughs) look at the suitcase, because, you know, it's like, (laughs) it's taking up more room than I am. And um, so I make it up to the hotel room, and the hotel rooms are very small, too. They're not like they are over here. My suitcase was bigger than the hotel room. There was no place to put it. It didn't fit under the beds because they were platform beds. There was no, like, opening under there. We kind of propped it up in the corner. And so when my daughter came and she comes in this little teeny thing, she backpacked all over Europe. She's looking at me like, what are you doing? So this started it. Now, the topper of the whole deal, this is going to take the whole night. The topper of the whole deal is when we we went to Scotland because that's my roots. We went to Scotland and we went to a 100-year-old bed and breakfast type place, okay? So we walk in, we check in, and the gal says, okay, I'll take you to your room. And we said, all right. So we went and get our suitcases. What does she look at? The suitcase. Because our room was on the third floor up a circular staircase that was only this big. And so here I am, and I'm like, I got it. I got it. She's insisting she's going to have, I got it. And I'm like, by the time I got to the top, I was like, this is why I travel with my husband. But, um, so anyways, we get to the top. All of this to tell you why we're dealing with the wounds. <laughs> Ladies, you want to travel lighter. You do not want to go through life with this giant suitcase. You do not want to go through life where everybody is looking at the suitcase. Do you see what she's carrying around with her? You know, it oozes out of us. We have ways of, of, of our baggage finds a way to be visible. And it finds a way to show up. And it finds a way to get really heavy after time. And so that's why we've been looking at some of these wounds. And the ultimate answer for every single one of them is God. It's Jesus. And I know that sounds like a pat answer. And if some, for some of you that are maybe not familiar with church and somebody drug you here, and you're like, yeah, that's ex- exactly what I expected you to say. I have to tell you, from life experience, it is the answer. There is nothing else that has ever taken care of a thing in my life besides Jesus Christ. He is the one that has given me victory, and he's still giving me victory day by day. So tonight we're going to look at the father wound. Now, if you have a book, there's been some exercises for you to do at the bottom, and for those of you that don't have the book, I want to tell you what the exercise is, because you're going to want to do it for the father wound that we're doing tonight, and also the mother wound from last week, and that is you're going to write a letter, and the letter goes something like this. Now, you have to write the letter as if you're not going to give it to anybody, because then you'll edit yourself. Okay? So you can't edit yourself, it has to be raw. I would ask that you pray before you write it. Ask the Lord to reveal to you what needs to be revealed and brought out and put down on the paper. And you're going to do this. One is for the mom, and it's gonna be. Um why am I not remembering this? I this is what I got that I did not want, and you're gonna write it. And this is what I wanted that I did not get, okay? This is what I got that I did not want, and this is what I wanted that I did not get, from mom and from dad, okay? So that's just for those of you that aren't, did not see it or those of you that jumped over it and decided you thought you were gonna escape. I am bringing it up tonight so that you don't. I've had a couple of you share with me that it's been a little difficult. I've had a couple of you share with me that it's been painful to face some of this stuff and to write some of this stuff. Some of you have written the letters. Some of you have done the work, and you've come up and you've shared with me how much you hated it, and then how much freer you felt after you did it. And so I want you to entrust this. Now, you may want to burn the letter when you're done, and you may not want to ever let anybody see it, but it's an amazing thing how stuff can come, when it, once it's out and on to paper and it's out of us, it seems to um, be something that we can let go of a little easier. Okay, so what's the definition of father wound? An ongoing emotional, relational, or spiritual deficit ordinarily met in a healthy relationship with dad that must now be overcome by other means. We all have deficits. We all have wounds. There is not a person that can be parented in life, I don't believe, that, can't, that will not come out of it with some kind of a wound one way or the other. So this applies to every single person in this room. However, some of those wounds are more difficult than others in different ones of our lives. But we all have things that we have to overcome, and we've all had deficits of some sort or another. So we're all normal. Isn't that wonderful? Dysfunctional people are normal. Isn't that a beautiful thing? All right. Hallelujah. I'm off for that one. Okay. Well, let's look at what happens with um, the deficit of a father in life. There's a, a a review that was done from the Department of Health and Human Services. And this was back in '99, so it's, the statistics are even um, more severe than they were back then. It says, more than a quarter of American children, nearly 17 million, do not live with their fathers. Girls without a father in their life are two and a half times as likely to get pregnant and 53% more likely to commit suicide. Both girls and boys without father involvement are twice as likely to drop out of high school twice as likely to end up in jail, and nearly four times as likely to need help for emotional or behavioral problems. In our adult years, as women, we can find ourselves still craving daddy's affection, still craving a father's love, still craving a father's acceptance and a father's approval and a father's care and in some circumstances even a father's presence and that can fall over into our adult life and it shows up in two extremes one is that we suppress all emotions trying not to feel anything me and my dad you know it was all right it wasn't a big deal didn't matter he was there but you know no big deal and so we suppress the emotions or we seek to medicate the pain and that can be from shopping all the way to alcohol to drugs and it can and oftentimes is sex a lot of times when a dad is absent or there's a void in a girl's life guess what if dad hasn't been the man in our life then we try to find another one and it usually starts at a very young age and it's getting younger and younger all the time i was thinking about this craving and i started to study for this and i began to look up all the verses that had to do with father god in the scripture And I know that God is called Father, but there was this interesting thing, and I know that Jesus referred to him as Father, but the more I looked up the verses, the more I saw that almost every single time Jesus referred to God, he referred to him as Father. Almost every single time. And as I looked at it more closely and really watched it, I saw this amazing tender relationship between God and Jesus. And it was the relationship of a father and a son. It was a relationship of a father, enveloping, watching after, announcing, pronouncing, and showing up for his son. It was absolutely beautiful. And what I began to realize is that the reason we have a craving for a father is because we were actually designed to have fathers. We were designed to have that void filled by a dad. We were designed to desire to be daddy's girl. And I really believe, after looking at all the scriptures, that part of the reason why is because our Father is to be an example for us that would ultimately connect us to Father God. It's our first, ex- it's our first experience with a male mo- role model that would then bridge the gap for us to be with Father God and to embrace Him. However, oftentimes especially in abuse situations like I've experienced, coming to God and then being told he's your father is not necessarily a safe and inviting thing for women, depending on how men have treated them, depending on the experience they've had with their father, and depending on all of those circumstances depends on how we accept and look at Father God. And so this is something that's huge because God's fathering is so amazing, God's fathering is so perfect. His fathering is far exceeds any expectation. It is overwhelming once we finally can connect with him in that way. So let's look at dads and the role that they play in our lives. Five important truths about dad. Dad, whether present or absent, played a major role in shaping who you are today, whether he was there or not there. Christian family therapist John Trent shared two letters given to him by a third-grade teacher. The letters were part of an assignment for her students, and they were both written by little girls in third grade. The first one reads, Dear Dad, I love it when you take me on dates. I like it when you play baseball with me, miniature golf with me, and watch movies with me. I really appreciate it. You should see how appreciate is spelled. It's cute. I like it when you tell jokes to me. I like it when you hug me and kiss me. Daddy, I love you. And then just a few seats away was another letter written by a little girl. And it says, Dear Daddy, I love you so much. When are you going to come see me again? I miss you very much. I love it when you take me to the pool. When am I going to get to spend the night at your house? Have you ever seen my house before? I want to see what your house looks like. Do you? When am I going to get to see you again? I love you, Daddy. Now in this room those little letters spoke really loudly. Some of you are mothers, and you're facing this with your children right now, and this is not to lay guilt at all. And some of you have experienced an absent father, and maybe the dad was even there, but just emotionally disconnected. But I want to say a word to the mothers for a second that are maybe in divorced or separated situations. Sometimes there have been reasons why dads, it's not safe for them to be around their children. But you know what? Most of the time, it's because we have issues with the dad. It has nothing to do with the children. So I'm just going to say something really boldly. To the extent that it is safe for your children to be around their father, they need to be around their father. The effect that he will have in their lives far exceeds any of the struggle that you might have to go through to make it happen. So I want you to really pray that through. I want to challenge you and wrestle it out. Because divorce and separation can be an ugly thing, but you know what? The statistics show over and over again that an absent father and a little girl's life is much more devastating than the pain and the struggle that we go through as married and unmarried people. So, anybody want to run out yet? Ready? Okay. Five roles unique to dad, the nurturer, the definition for nurturer is to feed and protect, to support and encourage, to bring up, to train, to educate. We so often think of mothers when it comes to nurturing, but fathers play a nurturing role as well. I remember when my kids were little babies, and the, the most precious pictures we have is Richard laying on the couch with the infant on his chest, and because we get no sleep during those stages of life, they're both just sound asleep. And here's this little baby on the chest of this this six foot tall man, and um, it's just precious. But not all of us have had the opportunity to have that kind of nurturing. I have a wonderful father. I love him. He's precious. But you know what? I don't remember where he was. There's a lot of times growing up, I don't have really memories of the nurturing with my dad. And so there's this funny thing that happens. Every once in a while, I get all tumultuous inside. I'll get turned upside down, and um, I'll get panicky over some silly things. And there's this weird thing that my husband has discovered, that if he comes up and just puts his arms around me, even if I'm yelling at him, which is a very brave thing for him to do, um, (laughs) if he comes up and just puts his arms around me, all of a sudden, I just calm down. I just stop. And you know what? We all have a little girl inside. And some days, she just needs to be hugged. Some days, she needs somebody bigger than her to wrap their arms around her and say, it's okay, I'm here. I got you covered. And you know what? We can do that for each other as sisters in Christ. We can wrap our arms around each other. It doesn't always have to be a male. And say, I've got you. I'm going to see you through this. I'm going to walk with you through this. I'm going to be with you through this. And we're going to hang on to this together. There's something about being hugged that calms and quiets that little girl. But there's something about a male presence that really does settle a room. The amazing thing that I love about God is everything that he designed in dads that are needed, he also makes sure he can provide himself. So in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 beginning at verse 2, It says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Do you get that this is about comfort? (laughs) For just as the sufferings of Christ are ours in abundance, so also is our comfort abundant through Christ. If you need to be comforted and there are not human arms around to wrap around you, I dare you to get quiet before God and ask him to comfort you. To ask him to wrap his arms around you, to ask him to father you, and to give you that settling that you need in your spirit. And I think you will meet him in a new way. The other role that dads play, just naturally, is the role of lawgiver. There was a time in our lives when I realized that I was really dominant in my daughter's lives. My husband with the police officer role ended up working odd hours and long hours and all of those things, and I ran pretty much everything at home. But what I started noticing is that when he was there, I was still making all the decisions, and I was still disciplining the children, and I was still calling all the shots, and I was still... And one day, God really got a hold of me. And it was a horrible day, because he was asking me to give up my control. And he was asking me to let my husband be a man. And he was asking me to let my husband be the dad, and to be the one that I deferred my children to when he was home, to make decisions, to discipline, to correct, to put down some boundaries, to be that strong influence in their life. And at junior high I, is when I got a hold of this, and I started really deferring the kids over it. Man, it was hard on all of us. It threw the whole household upside down. There was a lot of screaming for a while. Nobody knew who was doing what. Nobody knew who was wearing the pants. I'm speaking to you, ladies of God. Okay? And so, see, I'm going to get you all tonight one way or another. And so what happens is we had, we had this thing that had to completely change in our home because it was out of balance in the first place. And so even now, my daughter called. She wanted to borrow my car the other, the other day to go away for the weekend. And I said, you know what? Call your dad and see what he says. She's 21 years old. I can make the decision. But you know what? I'm off the hook. Go call dad. <laughs> see, I've discovered it's an amazing thing to do this. It's wonderful. It's a unique role to fathers, and the role is effective, however, when it is balanced with love and nurture. If a, fa- if a male role model, because they carry such strong presence in the first place, if they are out of balance and there's not love and nurture that balances it, then it does come across and can be abusive and can be too strong in a home. But we're talking about the healthy way of being um, having those those boundaries set. And here's God again showing us what it looks like in Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12. This begins at verse 4. You have not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood in your striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which is addressed to you as sons. I'm going to say daughters through the rest of this as daughters. My daughter, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every daughter whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with daughters, for what daughter is there whom her father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not daughters. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share in his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards they yield the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Without discipline in our lives, without boundaries, without guidelines, we have unrighteousness. And we see it all around. Teachers used to be able to discipline in the school, and they can't do that anymore. Parents can be dragged into court, depending on the type of discipline that's done. And there is abuse out there. And we do have to be careful, and we do have to be wise. But discipline isn't necessarily beating discipline looks a lot of different ways and God if you've never had discipline in your life and you've never had anybody structure your life and you've never had anybody come alongside you and teach you and train you then I want to tell you that's what this is for so often we look at the Bible as something that is just rules just so God can make us jump through the hoops but that's not what it's for this is God fathering us This is God speaking into our lives. This is God speaking to his daughters and telling them, this is how I desire you to live because I want you to be preserved and nurtured and cared for and respected and loved and lifted up and elevated. I want you to be treated like the bride of Christ that you are. I want you to be honored. I want you to be revered. I want you to be cared for. I want you to be protected. All of that is in the word of God. And sometimes it looks like it's rules, but that's because God's trying to tell us if you live this way, you will not be used up women. You will not put yourselves in situations where men will take advantage of you. You will not take advantage of yourself. You will learn how to respect yourself. You will learn how to treat yourself as I treat you. Okay. Dad is able to provide structure with clear rules that are enforced with fairness and respect. God's heart, his words, his ways, his structure, his guidance are in the word of God. The other role that a dad plays is the warrior protector role. On and off through the years, there's a scare every once in a while of giant asteroids coming to hit the planet earth. There used to be like back in the 60s, they'd even have these wild movies along with the the giant spider movies and the giant ant movies. I don't know what that era was all about. (laughs) sci-fi. So every once in a while, there's this scare that there's like this giant asteroid. There's this amazing thing about Jupiter. I am not a science person, so I'm probably going to get part of this wrong, so please do not correct me. I'm going to tell you the best I can, okay? Jupiter is actually the Earth's first line of defense when it comes to asteroids and such flying in our direction. Jupiter... Has a 99.9% efficiency at throwing dangerous space junk, asteroids, and meteorites back into interstellar space. That's what Jupiter does. How does this happen? It is 318 times heavier than Earth, and because of its mass, Jupiter creates a huge gravitational field that acts as a giant cosmic vacuum cleaner. It draws the junk and the dangerous things that are flying towards Earth and other planets, and it draws it to itself and actually absorbs it into its own atmosphere. Jupiter displayed its protective power several years ago when a monster comet broke into fragments and bombarded the planet Jupiter with more destructive power than all the atomic bombs that we presently have on Earth. Not all the space particles get... Deflected by Jupiter, but living in Jupiter's gravitational shadow and in its field minimizes the destructive forces that enter the Earth's atmosphere. Now listen to this. Considering, considering Jupiter's protective role that it plays over certain planets, ours included, the ancient Romans unknowingly named it Jupiter, and Jupiter means sky father. Jupiter Plays the role like a father is supposed to play for us, and that is to deflect the danger, to absorb the dangerous things that would come towards us as children. Jupiter takes all of the things that start flying towards other planets, and because of its gravitational pull, its strength, its might, its mighty power, its, it's, just its um, capacity that's so much bigger than we are, is able to take that in, and that's how dads are designed in the life of a child. Dad is able to protect his daughter from herself. Any of you need to be protected from yourself? I do on a regular basis. I even pray that. Lord, please help me and protect me from me. Because I can be pretty scary sometimes. And others in ways that affirm her emerging femininity. He shows her respect, attention, and admiration. You know, as girls, we have Barbie dolls, we have Cinderella we have all those kinds of things. And so sometimes we get a distorted view of what the strength of a man really looks like. And we have these pictures, you know, and depending on what, whoever the movie star is at the time, that's who we think a strong man represents, whoever the guy is. For me, it was Brad Pitt for a while, so I don't know who your person is, okay? <laughs> don't act like you don't know what I'm talking about, <laughs> all right? But I found this poem that is about the strength of a man, and I really loved it. The author is unknown, but I'm going to read it to you. The strength of a man isn't seen in the width of his shoulders. It's seen in the width of his arms that circle those that he loves. The strength of a man isn't in the deep tone of his voice. It is in the gentle words that he whispers. The strength of a man isn't how many buddies he has. It's how good a buddy he is with his children. The strength of a man isn't in how respected he is at work. It's in the respect that he has earned at home. The strength of a man isn't in how hard he hits. It's how tender he touches. The strength of a man isn't the weight he can lift. It's in the burdens that he can carry. The strength of a man isn't in what he puts on the table. It's in the effort he puts forth when you are unable. God the Father put forth quite an effort when we were unable, to father us. And he provided Jesus Christ to be the one that carries the burdens for us, to be the one that could step in when we were unable. The other role is the role of a buffer, the buffer role. Men just see things differently, and it irritates the heck out of us. But the reality of it is, is most of the time we really need a little bit different perspective and viewpoint. Especially when we get a little bit worked up. Now, none of you get worked up, do you? Okay, good. I didn't think so. Here is a funny little thing. This just gives you a perspective. All right. Here is a husband who is consoling his wife at their daughter's wedding. And he says this, Honey, don't think of it as losing a daughter. Sweetheart, think of it as gaining a bathroom. Now, that's the way men think, isn't it? And you could just punch them for that, but that's the way they think. But you know what? All of a sudden, if you were a crying mother, you would stop. You'd go, what? But all of a sudden, it would change everything, and it would make us look at something just a little differently. Pastor Chuck has been talking about a book, In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day, and I've been reading it by Mark Batterson. It's an amazing book, and I encourage you to pick it up. And the other day, I read a section that really, really got a hold of me. Not that it has anything to do with me, you understand, but it really got a hold of me, so I'd like to share it with you because it's all about you and not about me. Okay, here it is. There are lots of different explanations for every experience. And while you can't control your experiences, you can control your explanations. And the truth is your explanations are more important than your experiences. In the words of Dr. Seligman, your way of explaining events to yourself determines how helpless you become or how energized when you encounter everyday setbacks and challenges. How we explain a situation has everything to do with how we react and how we respond. And oftentimes, a male viewpoint will change the way we see things just simply because they see things very differently. Richard and I had a thing this weekend where I got myself all worked up in a tizzy over nothing, and I told him what I was, what I was thinking because I remembered reading this the other day, so I was going to give it a try, and he looked at me and goes, that is silly. I can't believe you're even thinking that way. And I'm looking at him, going, well, this is not silly. And so we were going back and forth for a minute, but the reality was is he's looking at me going, he saw it completely different than I did, and once he put his bent on his perspective, I really was able to see things differently. There is another place that we can go. That gives us a different perspective. Again, I know I'm a Bible basher. The Word of God gives us a different perspective. We take the things that the world tells us, and we go and we measure it up with the Word of God, we get a different perspective. We take the whole idea of sin, and we take it here and we see it differently. We take wounds and hurts and trials and struggles, and we take it to the Word of God, and he says things like, Count it all joy. That's a different perspective. In James 1, he says, once perseverance, you go through all these things that creates perseverance in your life, and once perseverance has made it all the way to the end in your life and been complete, you will be complete and lacking in nothing, it says, after you go through all these struggles. That's a different perspective than our struggles. And so God is the ultimate perspective, clearer or upper. Isn't that profound? Okay. And the last role that the male plays is actually just being a male, the male gender role. Dr. Meg Meeker is an author and teen health expert, and she states, the way a father treats his daughter is a strong indicator of how she will relate to men for the rest of her life. When a girl is little, her dad is her primary male love relationship. When he gives her something as a man, she learns lessons about men, setting a template in those early years on her heart about what to expect, to think, to feel, and know about men from there on out, affecting even her relationship to God because Christ is a man. In an article written by Dr. Stephen Poulter, he states, The men in a woman's life will always reflect the insight she has about her and her father. I'm going to say that again. The men in a woman's life will always reflect the insight she has about her and her father. Dr. Poulter has some interesting questions for women, and so I'm going to throw them at you. He wrote a book called Lost Daughters. Do you date the wrong men? In spite of your knowledge, experience, and pain, do you continue to date and or marry the wrong type of man for you? Do you constantly wonder if you have an appeal to men? Are you overly worried about whether you're still attractive to men or not? Do you long for your father's approval no matter how old you are? Do your friends tell you that you express anger like a man? Do you find it difficult to make a commitment to yourself, such as exercise or education? Let all that just sink in for a second. I was surprised that a couple of those really rang true for me as well. One of my favorite things to study in Scripture is how Jesus treated women. To me, it reveals the very heart of God. Women were valued by Jesus in a society that treated them literally as dogs. Jesus elevated women. He took women that were caught in sin. He took women that were bleeding to death. He took women that were cast-offs in society. And Jesus came alongside them, and he lifted them up. He healed them. He restored them. He gave them a different position in society, and many women were the ones that ended up going and telling others about Jesus. When Chuck talks about they go and tell in the scripture, most of the instances are women that go and tell and became the first evangelists in many of the cultures and societies. Even Lydia was the first evangelist in Europe when Paul came because they were praying and seeking for God. And Paul comes, and she ends up being the first person in Europe to share the gospel with others after Paul got there. Women played an important role in the history of Christianity. Jesus came to treat women with care, love, honor, and respect, regardless of their sin, their position, their failures, or their weaknesses. And he met them at every turn. Jesus ultimately modeled the male role model for each of us. If you study the life of Jesus, it will change your life as a woman if you really pay attention to his interaction with us girls. Now, there's something that we've left for you on your seats, and if you didn't get it, then I want you to make sure you stop at the back, and Kim will get it for you. Um, If we have any extras, there should be enough on all the seats. But there's two things there that I have found to be extremely helpful in my life. One is a love letter from God. It's on the internet, so you can find it. The uh, reference is on that paper. That is literally a letter written as a love letter from God, and it's all scripture. And so for many of you, I challenge you to read that every day this week. And then I want you to send me stories how God ministers to you through this. Catherine at CrossroadsChurch.com. K-A-T-H-R-Y-N. I want to hear how God uses this love letter, which is just scripture, written in a letter form to you, and how it'll minister to your heart. The other one is by Neil Anderson, and it's a list of who I am in Christ. And most of us have an identity crisis as women in this society. We have the identity that we carry around mostly is that we need to be sexual, that we need to be enticing, that we need to be hot. Oh, I was really excited about this. <laughs> Let me tell you this story. I'm hot, did you know that? Amy, my daughter Amy, is a volleyball coach, comes to me and says, OK, now the girls that are coming here know that I'm your daughter. And one of them says, your mom's hot. She's got cool hair. Well, I just got it redone. I have more colors than I did last week. So I just want you to know, I'm hot, OK? so. But that's what we think it's all about. It's about sexuality. It's about, and if you're the one that went to Amy, I'm so sorry. But, um, <laughs> but that's what we think it is, and that's our identity crisis. And so we need to get a new identity, and it's in Christ Jesus. And so that list is who we are in Christ. And there was a season in my life many years ago that I stuck that on my mirror, and every day when I brushed my teeth, I prayed over that list. Because I didn't, and the first time I did, I couldn't say some of them. Some of them I cried when I got to them because I didn't believe them about myself. So I challenge you to read those through, to pray them through. There are five things that every daughter needs to hear from her father. I love you. I believe in you. I will protect you. I will guide you. And you are beautiful. For many of us, we haven't heard those. But I want to tell you something. God loves you, John 3:16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. His motivation for sending Jesus was love. He believes in you. He's given you free choice. He's hoping you'll accept him. He's hoping you will choose him. He's hoping you will respond to him. But he's given you that opportunity to reject him. That's how much God believes in your ability to choose. He will protect you. Jesus conquered sin and death and Satan on the cross. You are a protected daughter of his. He will guide you. He has infused in each one of us that believe the power of his Holy Spirit, which is the counselor and the teacher and the one who guides. And you are beautiful to God. He calls you his bride. So as we wrap this up tonight, A lot of us right now just need a holy hug from God. We need to be reassured as little girls that we're okay, that you're beautiful, that you're important, that God has a plan for your life. And I want to tell you, there is nothing more beautiful to me than seeing a little child run with their arms up like this, running towards their daddy. And they lift the dad scoops the little daughter up, throws her up in the air, and the, the daughter is laughing and, and carrying on. There was one day I was out here and came out of church, and the water started sprouting up out there, and there was this little one that was running around and carrying on. There was a dad just staying just, just enough distance away to let that little girl think she was all that. And, but he was really close, and then at one point, she was getting just a little bit too far away, and her dad runs over and just scoops her up, picks her up. She's giggling and laughing and carrying on. Some of you need to run into his arms instead of away from them tonight. Some of you, he's been calling. He's been calling you, daughter, for a long time. He knows your name. He's been wooing you. He's been reminding you. He's been putting people in your path. He's even made you come and listen to a crazy lady because he wants you to run to him. He wants you to let, he, let him put his arms around you and let him be your father. And so tonight, for some of you, you've known him before, but you've run in another direction. And God so desires for you to come back. He will accept you, no questions asked. Just run toward him. And there are many of you, even in a room that we think is all church people, that have never really fully committed your life to Christ. You have not let go completely and said, I want you to be my God my Lord, and my Savior. So as we get ready to pray tonight, I want you to think, have you ever done this? Have you ever let God really pick you up and carry you? Maybe tonight's the night. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you that you are the ultimate Father I want to thank you for the human fathers that we've had in our lives, the ones that have really touched us, the ones that have really represented you, the ones that have been men that we can look up to, the ones that have been men that have deposited something um, powerful in our lives, Lord. Even if it's only one or two things, we thank you, God, for the men in our lives that have really been amazing. And Lord, for those of us that have wounds and hurts and pains, from dads in our life, Lord God, I ask right now for an extra measure of your grace tonight. I ask for your healing presence to flow through this room as only you can, Lord, minister to every heart at the same time. And I ask you, Father God, to father your daughters tonight. To father your daughters. To wrap your arms around their hearts. To whisper words of truth and love to their mind and their heart and their spirit and to heal their pain. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you are present. Thank you for your touch. Praise you, Jesus. If there's anyone in here tonight that just has never really fully let God be their God, and accepted Jesus Christ. You see, the scripture says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one will come to the Father except through him. And so if you need to be fathered, you need Jesus, because he's the doorway to God. So if there's anyone here tonight that God is tugging on your heart and you need to recommit your life to Christ, or you need to accept him for the first time, either way, would you raise your hand and let me know that you're going to pray this prayer with me? Anyone? Praise God for you, honey. Praise God for you. Any others? Just raise your hand and look at me so I can see you. Praise God for you, honey. Let me just look around. Anyone else? Is this your night? Those of you that have raised your hands, will you pray this prayer with me? Father God, I come to you humbly and excited to be caught up in your arms. I thank you, Father God, that you love me like I've never been loved before. And I thank you, Lord, that you sent Jesus to die for me so that I could literally be in the loving arms of you, God. I confess my sins to you. I accept your forgiveness. I receive your Holy Spirit. And I thank you, Jesus, that you are my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you praise God for those that have committed their life?